fuck is that guy? Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we hit the motorway. Some might. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Christmas. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today joined by Tom Kennett and Tom Kennett only. Not saying that in a disparaging way, just uh, people probably are used to hearing more names. I do usually uh, have reason to tear into people's excuses, but as far as they go, this week's are probably... Pretty legit. Quite fair. I've been. I'd like to dig out Troy for looking after his son, but that's one where you can't really. (laughs) That's probably the most legit of all the excuses. Fucking responsible parenting. Exactly. Fuck's sake. Alex is still uh, wound up in a hospital bed. Hinted at it last week, but you know what he's like. We thought we'd let him uh, break the story, so uh, we've got that. He said, "You know what he said to me actually in a in a message." He said. uh, Troy set the bar recently for stories, so he's had to go out of his way now to have something to top this is it. that. So uh, having four plates put in his arm is as far as he's gone, which I can respect. Actually, on the night, we're, so I thought we'd get into this a bit uh, next week, but when he phoned me to tell me that he'd had the accident on his bike, he was actually phoning me to say that he couldn't do the podcast on Monday. <laughs> So I do, I do admire the commitment. That's like throwing up your boss and he's trying to yeah, exactly. have to explain. I quite like it if Troy does have a story to top four plates in his arm. Though. <laughs> Alex has to go out of his way to get like MRSA while he's in the hospital or something just to try and top it. Say to Alex, just touch my head here. See, it feels a bit tinny. Got four plates in my head. And Jack back in has- my day, it was quadrathlons, not triathlons. <laughs> and Jack has an electrician over, so. He probably could be due the stick. And if he has anything to say about any of our teams tonight, actually, set the tone. So today we're going to be doing teams of the decade. So we're going to be doing Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea and their perspective teams of the decade. The reason we chose those four teams was because we were going to have two (laughs) Arsenal fans, a Liverpool fan and a Chelsea fan. (laughs) So if you're wondering why your team's missed out, then that's why. I mean, we're never going to do a... Norwich team of the decade, but City and uh, Spurs, I'm sure, we'll get into at some point. I did actually say to Alex if he wants to send me his team, but weirdly, he's been bored, but not bored enough to send me his uh, teams of the decade, so that's taken points off for his pod dedication. brushed up on his Spurs knowledge while he was at it as well. Exactly. We've got on here, we've got an old El Clasico from 2008-2009. It's quite a famous one, so... As the time goes on, you might realise which game it is. It probably won't take too long. Yeah. So, uh, what a collection of players we've got here? Yes. Yeah. It's like a just a hall of fame. Each one of them. Well, I was searching on YouTube for a full game for us to watch while we wait for the Arsenal one to start. Which I, I mean, I don't mean to be rude to our listeners, but hopefully we'll be finished by then. So you won't the have Lundberg to wait too much. Yeah. <laughs> but I was searching for full games, and it was this or um, the Liverpool Real Madrid Champions League final. And I thought, you probably don't need to relive that. Oh, no, I absolutely don't. You're right. I'm glad you made the choice you did. <laughs> so, uh, opted for this one instead. Anyway, news of the week. We'll start with that. Bit on AJ. Don't 
then we get into our teams of the decade. Hopefully the cat behaves itself as we're allowing it to be our uh, guest for the day. He was sat like he was ready to say something to yeah. the cat then. <laughs> All right. News of the week. So actually there is quite a bit this week, Ooh. which is typical for a two man pod. This weather this weather news of the week started actually. The two man pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fashion. So Walmart apologizes for sweater featuring Santa with cocaine. <laughs> I don't know why you'd go out of your way to complain about it. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I know why some people would maybe be offended, but it's not like it's a religious thing. It's literally just taking something that is for kids and having a snow pan on it. I mean, one of those things is real and the other one isn't. We're going with real <laughs> life here. And oh, if you want to get fussy with it, Coca-Cola made Santa red. Coca-Cola used to be made with cocaine. We've just gone full circle here. That's all it is. One of the things is as well, you see Christmas jumpers these days and you can get just about anything on a Christmas jumper these days. Mm. I saw one the other day niche i'll give it that <laughs> for the goonies there was a goonies christmas jumper let me say that's a kind of a christmas film isn't but it, it was literally one. just some snowflakes with the ugly boat with the, on the yeah. front of it <laughs> it's like this does not make it a christmas jumper was it you had a pet hate of the sort of christmas jumpers that weren't really christmas where they were just like certain like design but they, they actually looked like all right it's, jumpers really but they were it's not it, i don't think it sounds like something that could easily have been. Yeah. Made. I think it was that... You're, not, you're, you're half committing there, right? You're not fully committed to the Christmas jumper well, when you do my that. My thing was that Sean would wear the same jumpers year round and then call it a Christmas jumper for December. And it was like, you have one or the other. You've got to go out and get a Christmas jumper. Yeah. But or, he does have some very Christmassy Christmas jumpers he, as well. He has... Uh, his, his wardrobe when he we used to kind of rib him for his printed tees <laughs> and he then went on to what you would see on river island as like a fair isle sweater <laughs> and that's like we upgraded so that was what you would see then <laughs> to make the point that he's not wearing like a t-shirt with california and a surfer on the front of it he had different geographical locations on the t-shirt I like seeing how things change through the years because my brother was giving me jip uh, the other week and uh, I helped my mum with telling her like what my brothers might want for Christmas and I said, any more out of you, I'm telling her you want the SoCal tracksuit. You're going old school back in the day. <laughs> with a goy-goy t-shirt. Yeah. There's, there's one of me wearing one of them t-shirts looking like the most like orange person you will ever find. I think find. I may have seen yeah. said picture, actually. Anyway, news of the week, we'll carry on. KFC sells an artificial fire log that smells like greasy fried chicken. You know what, they might have cracked it there. That's a dream. Who wouldn't want that? For a while, I mean, you know, I like to have a candle in my room. We've got one at the moment. Uh, I think it's uh, some kind of Christmas one. Although, for if there's any Don't make this weirder than it needs to be. <laughs> well, Originally, I was going to podcast under the duvet, and I thought the image for people. If I say, "No," I mean, I'm under the duvet. TK's not joining me, but I mean, <laughs> but if there's any uh, other candle connoisseurs out there, I don't know what's happening because I seem to be getting a lot of soot coming off this one. As you can see, we've got a black rim around the top, which shouldn't be happening. No, I've seen people talk about trimming the wick, but I tried that and it didn't go very well, so left it to uh, get my money's worth. You could always try Googling black rims and see what comes up. <laughs> well, I've got a tangent, but not that kind of tangent. 
So for a while, KFC did these limited editions and they were doing uh, KFC gravy scented candles. Mm. They were free. You just had to apply. I applied, didn't get one. So <sighs> Misery. Yeah. Look how young Pep looks there, by the way. What a dish. I know. What a dishy bloke he was. What? We'll get into football in a bit, but Allegri did an interview uh, this weekend where he said, it seems that this season is when people have finally realised, like, we don't all have to copy Pep Guardiola's way of football. Mm. He was like, "That is a fair observation, actually." If it was years ago, wasn't it, when uh, when he was at Bayern and Barca battered him, mm. and that yeah. was when it was declared like Tiki Taka is so, dead, and yeah. when Spain got smashed in uh, was it the World Cup or the Euros, another one where we were told Tiki Taka is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Chipotle has nurses to ensure workers are really sick, not just hungover. Good, uh, good employer. Do you not reckon you're spending as much money as you're losing there? Because <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And the nurses just take what the are hit they doing? The are they like sending them out to the houses to say, "Look, you're my friend. I'd like to believe you, but company policy. We've got to send someone out there." Of all the companies that are enforcing this about Chipotle, <laughs> like, well, we can't have you miss a day off. The world's going to implode. We can't mention Chipotle without saying that a friend of ours, Joe, when we were in America, went into Chipotle restaurant and asked for a Chipotle. Didn't specify <laughs> what what he wanted in it or whatever. The equivalent of going into McDonald's and saying, I want a McDonald's. Or a Subway saying, like, not asking what you want in the sandwich, just I'll have a Subway, please. It annoys me enough when people go into like McDonald's or Burger King, usually like early 40s-year-old bloke who just looks angry as it is and he's like I just want a burger just <laughs> a just a, a burger and chips and it's like just it's not that hard to have a look at the menu here and yeah say, that's that is and I'll get the hair off with the poor employee yeah. getting paid nothing to deal with this shit so I literally took this down just for the tangent have you ever phoned in sick for work due to a hangover or gone in hungover definitely gone in hungover yeah I've never um never ever been off work sick think about it I don't feel like I ever actually have wasn't there one this year where it was like the first time that you had been off I seem to remember you being off for some I've not actually been yeah I don't think or were you sent home maybe when that plague was going around maybe no normally I don't get sent home it's normally a bugbear (laughs) of mine I've seen others get sent home and yet I somehow haven't but yeah oh been hungover at work many a time. That's a hellish, hellish thing as well. I said about Keenan, who was on the podcast before, going way back, when uh, when I sat opposite him at work and he looked like he was dying. <laughs> and he said to the boss there, like, look, where you think when you're a certain age, you don't have to say, like, I need to go home. You just say, basically, look, I'm yeah. properly. And they're like, yeah. all right, go home. He said, he's like, look, I really don't feel good. She's like, I did a marathon at the weekend. What are you moaning about? <laughs> And he did the in-between. He's like, I get what you're saying, but that it doesn't really affect <laughs> yeah. how I'm feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, another boss came up and was like, just, just go home. Just go. <laughs> you ever done that before in front of like, your parents? If you said you're tired or something. And they're like, what, what have you got to be tired about? Yeah. I've been, I've worked all day and I'm whatever age. I'm like, that's, you know, that's not on my, that's not on me. I well, didn't do it. I'm moaning about this on the podcast all the time from where, my one brother used to do removals and I'd moan and he'd be like, you got an office job, I'm on my feet from seven o'clock in the morning. 
doesn't change the, <laughs> how I feel. I'm feeling <laughs> going into work hungover you can know how old it is by the fact that uh, I was going out <laughs> but, you've got a certain time frame where we know this is yeah but the first time I ever experienced a proper hangover was when we went to someone's 17th birthday party in sixth form the one where we had to do a proper long walk back where I had a good sleep nobody else did doesn't mean much to anyone outside of people who were there but no. the day after that up there with the worst I've ever felt where <laughs> I swear, I woke up and I could not feel my legs. (laughs) All I remember is uh, sitting at Brad's and he had football the next day, which I don't know how he did. But he's gone, all right, get up. I can give you a lift to the BP garage where my mum was going to pick me up from. And one of them where, I don't know what car this kid had, but it was like one of the ones where you have to move the seat in the front and (laughs) climb out. So I was in the back. I remember the whole journey up to that point thinking, I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to pull myself out. (laughs) I genuinely don't know if I've got this in me. And then I had to go on for what was only a four-hour shift. But when you're only doing four-hour shifts, they feel as long as an eight-hour shift. Yeah, I'm doing that and legitimately serving people. I I could just collapse at any minute. (laughs) Also, the first alcohol pool I had then, which... Oh, Jesus. There was absinthe given to us that night and... It was all just, it all went downhill from there. I know I did the one day at school hangover, going out on a Monday and coming in after, Mm -hmm. where you get tricked, where I usually think people are exaggerating or falsifying when they claim, I woke up and I was still hangover, because that doesn't happen all the time. You're still drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's what I mean. But this was like, I think, got in at half four, five ish, and then was up at half six to be going yeah. I'm waking up and I'm going you feel alright I do actually yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel sound going to school where I used to be in proper early I had a little kip on the uh, sofas there I remember waking up and kind of catching myself in them little like wavy mirrors they had in the common room <laughs> and just there was like a point where it dawned well I am in trouble <laughs> looking at the timetable and it was like double English, double history and like <laughs> IT or something like that. And we had that one English lesson when they were like, all right, we're going to be reading out this script today. You have this part, you have this part. And it's like, Jesus, <laughs> lasted two lessons and it was I can't take this anymore. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I know I did phone in sick for work once on a, hang- on a hangover when I was working in retail, like when I was coming to the end of it when... I think I might have said this on here before. I thought it was only going to be a little little tangent, but when I accepted a job to leave retail, handed in my notice smugly, and then the job called me back and said, oh, by the way, the person you were going to replace is now staying, so we can only offer you 20 hours a week. 1-0 Madrid on this game. Uh. And uh, so at this point, I've scorned the people I'm working for, so I have to go across anyway, but... They weren't happy with me. I wasn't happy with them. <laughs> and I remember the one Saturday waking up and, as I said, just feeling like I physically can't be standing behind a till here for seven hours. I don't have that in me. <laughs> I'm phoning sick. And they actually said to me on the phone, are you sure you're not hung over? I was like, no. Obviously, what is, what is somebody going to say? Like, I, 
actually, yeah, you're right. I I did get too pissed last night. Well, there was always the worry, wasn't there, that you're going to end up in the background of a club photo or whether <laughs> you've posed in a club photo. <laughs> yeah. If your memory is a bit patchy from the night before. And you have to wait for everyone else that's taking pictures. Like, don't tag me in that or <laughs> wait a week to upload it. Or just when <laughs> you were tagged in a pic, that was from the week before. They just <laughs> uploaded it a bit late. <laughs> We said last week there was a bloke who was caught cheating on his missus in the background of a yes. restaurant review. So <laughs> Incredible. These things can happen. Um, South Korean Papa John's debuts American pizza with hot dogs on every slice. And we had this in Italy, didn't we? Where, yeah. we, couldn't, yes. where we couldn't understand the menu. Saw a pizza yeah. called L'American. for <laughs> that looks, that sounds about right. And it was hot dog and chips on a pizza. <laughs> I still maintain it was a nice pizza, though. It was, but it wasn't what we it wasn't expected. what we were hoping for. <laughs> it cracks me up when I think about them because they've obviously thought like this is all Americans eat it, so they're going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> what else have we got? You might have seen this one. A banana duct tape to a wall sold for $120,000 at Art Basel, Miami. Couldn't, See this story? Yeah, couldn't get my head around that. And then a guy pulled it off the wall and ate the banana. But I don't... And they're trying to say that he now owes them a hundred grand. Oh, and Jesus. he's saying, well, I just ate a banana. <laughs> That's art, though, man. You can't be eating that. You can't go and eat the Mona Lisa. Well, the guy can't claim he doesn't know what's going on because he's smirking while eating the banana. So... Easy to have the most expensive shit ever. Yeah, and asking someone to film you eat the banana. So, this Barca team, by the way, Etu, Messi, Omri, Xavi, Iniesta, Yaya Torre. Prime Dani Alves running down the right. Xavi's a hype job, though, maintain it. (sighs) Nothing on your boy Artur. No. Who's got an STD, and that's why he's missing Barca games at the moment. (laughs) What's going on with that? Can you imagine him saying to people, he's like, this is a lot of fame they don't show you. <laughs> I mean, what's he got that's so bad that he can't play? Oh, you know, we were, we were talking about tweets last week and just how ridiculous some like claims are on Twitter. It might have been a week before. I saw one today and it was like some like Twitter bird. And it was like, it was a picture from behind with the caption, uh, who says Latinas have no ass? And it's like, Literally nobody. <laughs> yep. Nobody's ever said that. Has <laughs> ever said this. Why is this your caption? <laughs> so I did have this one for Troy. Um, Hasbro have acquired the rights to um, famed rap label Death, Lo- Death Row Records. That's a typical Henri finish. That, that is, is going to say vintage Henri, that. So they paid $4 billion for the rights for uh, Death Row. Jesus. Yeah. Who I believe still released some record so they may have something to do with that but Hasbro taking over is an interesting move mm. Duck has traumatised penis removed after non-stop sex have you seen that this duck was just going mental like 10 times a day just shagging anything yeah and so they chopped it off fucking hell Jessica Yaniv trans activist who lost a lawsuit against beauty salons for refusing to wax her scrotum is threatening lawsuits again this time against a gynecologist. I saw the thing yeah. about the gynecologist. Because the gynecologist just looked at her balls and said, well, what do you want me to do with this? I don't know what to do. It's one of many things where you think we're going to have to pump the brakes on this. Yeah. we. There's the thing, wasn't there, with the guy who spilled hot coffee on himself and he sued saying well, there was no warning saying the coffee was hot and he won the lawsuit. 
Jesus. So she went to an actual court case in Canada where she was saying that, look, if you say you're offering like waxes for women and I class myself to women, that you have no right to turn me away. And it actually turned into a court case Jesus. where they had to specify that you are well within your rights to turn people away if you don't want to perform that procedure on them. Got it. It's mad that that is a thing that they had to clarify, but she literally took them and it was one of them where it was in, I don't know what the equivalent is in Canada, but like the Supreme Court. So supposedly, I guess you'd have to do, you'd have to just have the ability to turn anyone away if you want. Yeah. You couldn't just be like, look, if you've got balls, we're going to sh- well, tell you where to go. The thing is that they specify apparently that they um, would only wax female genitalia but she yeah. was claiming that doesn't seem unfair that her nuts were technically <laughs> women's because she sees herself as a woman you oh. look into her and there's all sorts of mad stuff about her like talking about using like tam- tampons and 14 year old girls and all sorts if you just google her name Jessica Yanev I think it was someone like the New York Times did like a deep dive on her they like befriended her and have all these screenshots of her on like Facebook chat and all sorts. Well, to be fair, there's been a thing I've realised that about like the uh, sample adverts can't be just tailored towards women yeah. because of men that can have a period as well. We didn't think we'd be having this discussion. Just just in the Arsenal team, that's about as good as I would hope for. Yeah, is he apart gone from Jacker? Oh, can't have everything. Abamyang, Martinelli, Ozil, Pepe starting. Poor West Ham. Shaka yeah. and Torreira, those. Yeah. <laughs> is essentially... Could be any school then. Two needs to. forward, note for the best. Starting line at market value, 408.2 million. Tierney on the left as well. Socrates and Chambers at the back. There you go. David Luiz getting the drop. Fred is a savage. What else have we got? Kentucky judge accused of frat house antics, including threesomes with staffers, so that gets you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Philippines man allegedly beheaded woman ate brains as topping on rice. What? Yep. Philippines men and Florida men, we need them to just go to war against each other and just see what happens. Troy messaging me. Um, Teen who threw boy six from Tate Modern Balcony wanted to be on the news. That's a quote from him. <laughs> Probably easier ways, as we've seen throughout the whole of this article. <laughs> you could have done anything, but instead you <laughs> you thought you'd go for attempted murder. Cat meowing with thick southern accent goes viral on Instagram. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Croatia wrongly deports Nigerian table tennis players to Bosnia. <laughs> Don't know the story there. <laughs> Brother of drug lord Pablo Escobar launches a £349 foldable smartphone. I feel like that's one just nobody wants to tell him that this has been done. <laughs> Entrepreneurs in that family. <laughs> America braces a possible French fry shortage after poor potato harvest. That would be a meltdown. <laughs> one we seem to have every week. Woman defecated on floor of her Bonhill home, then threw the results at cops. What is it with these people <laughs> shitting on the floor and throwing it? 
Texas restaurant sells four hundred dollar fajitas. This sounds pretty good fajitas. Yeah. Japanese man, seventy one years old, arrested for making twenty four thousand complaint calls. <laughs> Essentially, had a gripe with his company; they wouldn't solve it, and so he treated it like a job. So for eight hours a day, he would get up and just don constant complaint calls to this company. Oh my god! Didn't get anywhere because then they sued him for wasting their time and won. So <laughs> he got what he deserved. A Tuxen business is helping women find the perfect lipstick by matching their nipple color. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if all these women do have been doing that this whole time, <laughs> I'm worried because there's going to be some red nipples out there. I'm worried that this is the future. People are having sex with 3D avatars of their exes and celebrities. That is the future. You're yeah. having a glimpse out there. <laughs> An infamous mayonnaise man strikes again. It wasn't me, I promise you. Just a bloke who's jerked off in mayo. I don't know. Don't read past the headlines. Because I know a guy who won't order mayonnaise at a restaurant because he heard of a story of a guy wanking into the mayo, like back in the kitchen or whatever. And he's like, so now I just can't take the chance that. Do they have that in um, the first Harold and Kumar where they go to? I think it's like In and Out, and he's like, "Don't have the special sauce. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not special. It's mixed with something semen." <laughs> Bell End residents left furious as street sign is stolen again. (laughs) And that is the end of your news this week. That's quite a good batch. Yeah. Do you want to get into the AJ fight before we do the teams of the decade? Yeah, yeah. So we got the job done. You managed to avoid the result. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. I said I kind of regret having gone through it all now, really, but oh well. Yeah. Did you have, because I know you got the paper you just watched it the next day, where you're already fuming about paying 25 quid, and then you go on and they say, for HD, it's 26.95. I don't know. Well, you're on Sky, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they do their customers nicer. Yeah, you go on Virgin and they say, uh, 26.95 if you want HD. Cheeky fuckers. Yeah. All for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure I wanted to see... Dylan White versus Marius Viking HD. I'm not. I'm not sure it matter what definition I was in. And it was enough. I wasn't scoring it while going on. Twitter were claiming he lost, but I didn't know if that was like people hating him. Yeah, no, I don't think he lost, but it was probably again, as you can imagine, closer than the Sky commentators would have you believe. You can't be calling Wilder a bum all week and then go life or death with Marius back. No, no, and he did. That did kind of wobble yeah. him a little bit, one way, which yeah, more than once I thought. Not a great look, is it? And then the main event, I think it's somewhere in the middle because some are calling it like a boxing masterclass, where it's probably the the performance we should have expected from a bloke weighing in at twenty stone three. <laughs> we got rid of all conspiracies. No, he he really was that weight. There was no weight <laughs> in his pockets <laughs> when he was plodding around that ring. He thought he looked every bit the twenty stone man. There was a point in like must have been like the sixth round where. He caught AJ and the angle of it, like I thought he'd slumped him because it looked like he was like yeah, going like down. Yeah. I let out the weirdest noise <laughs> thinking that he thinking he got him. That was literally the only thing he had, wasn't it? It was just that hopefully when he's got close he could sort of rough him up yeah. again. He had no no way of getting there, no way of cutting off the ring. I was I was gonna ask a frustrating watch all round, really. Yeah. This is kind of separate to the actual fight, but 
just from listening to people and I was hearing people and I was walking past at work today and you see social media, mm-hmm. I feel like it's no longer cool to be an AJ fan. Like the Fury bandwagon is kind of the cool person's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now cool to say like, well, he wouldn't be Fury, would he? I've, no, I think you're right, actually. No, I think it used to be everyone was a bit of a fangirl on there and we were to the point where we were obviously getting quite tired of it. And now it seems to be the opposite, where, as you say, while some people are calling it a boxing masterclass, which is maybe being generous considering what Ruiz was doing, but other people are just saying he's terrible. And it's just, you know, he's boring, it wasn't really a fight. And... The thing that was annoying me was Hearn and everyone else saying, look, he made no excuses. And he, Did we miss the whole, it was a punch from the gods, this bloke isn't on my level. That's kind of an excuse. It, well, I mean, it wasn't quite Andy Ruiz. Well, I should have trained. <laughs> I couldn't believe it in the room when he's going, yeah, I probably should have trained a bit harder. Shouldn't have got his extra weight. What, what did you think was going to happen? I don't... I can never get my head around that. I saw, um, I think it was that Radio Rahim, who seems to be like uh, the American version of, um, what's his name, Skeletor, with 10,000 words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him saying to uh, his trainer... Do you think maybe you lost some of a connection with your fighter and that's why uh, he maybe wasn't as dedicated? And he was like, I can do a lot. I can't stop him eating. <laughs> and his dad's saying, well, I wanted to pull him from the fight. So I'm like, just shut up because this is not what we want to eat. I, I did think during fight week as well with the there was video circuit of him eating pizza and stuff, wasn't there? I was like, I get one of the selling points was that this little fat dude had yeah. pulled off the impossible, but you don't. If you end up losing, it's not a great look that you... Yes, I saw someone say, which is quite spot on, where they said, like, it's actually not an excuse. He's just being honest. <laughs> yeah. The thing that was like, I'll, I'll, get, I'll be in shape for a third fight. Who's who's buying that? Yeah, no, no. This should have been in shape for this one. You can't... And when he said it in the ring, that he wants the trilogy done, it's like, oh, don't do this. Yeah, the crowd don't literally do it. No. <laughs> well, they would have cheered for anything as well, wouldn't they, at the time? So. Well, the first time they cheered and the second time was like, <laughs> He didn't go back for a third. He didn't. I think the first time they remembered Pulev was the mandatory. <laughs> That's going to be hideous, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, not too much more to no, say I've, on it. He, was, he did what he had to do. I, I didn't think he was capable of doing that. For but, 12 rounds, I didn't. I I thought he'd be able to do that in spurts. I didn't think he'd do it for 12 rounds. It is made a lot easier when the bloke's plodding or easy to say if you get caught like that then by Wilder then you're going to sleep and you're not going to be able to box Fury like that so I'm not sure it tells us anything new no. in terms of those fights but certainly we'd rather see an undisputed fight between AJ and Wilder than Wilder and Ruiz so yeah exactly I think it's, it has all worked out for the best I think it's worked out dreamy for AJ now because yeah. next fight with Pulev will settle because people will say oh well People give Ruiz no chance, so it'll give this chance. Yeah. And enough people will buy into that that they have to sell out another stadium, no doubt. Exactly. All right, should we get on to our teams of the decade? Let's do it. So the way I had this fixed was that if we start with United, because we don't have a United fans, then Chelsea, then we'll do Liverpool and Arsenal, where uh, we've got a, a dog in the race to... Uh, I'm not sure that's the right phrase, but you know what I mean. A dog in the fight. Yeah. A horse in the race. So it's a bit easier to agree a team between the two of us to specify the... Oh, <laughs> to specify. <laughs> I don't know what, I was, something stuck in my throat. 
Balls drop mid pod. <laughs> to specify here that it's kind of like out of order fashion where it's not just the two of us saying this is my team. We have to agree the team. Okay. There would be right. a bit more debate mm. if there was four of us, but as we go here, then yeah, should be a bit more interesting. So if we do Chelsea, so what kind of formation were you looking at? Oh, sorry, start United. Okay. Sorry. To be honest, across the board, I well, the way I started it, I did it in four three three, and I've just thought I try and keep it within yeah. that sort of format for them. But obviously, the midfield can be moved around, so yeah. it's not too. Because I've got a four four two for United, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But we got a back four for every team, regardless. I assume mine could work out as that as well. To be yeah. fair, with the kind of players I got, so it's not end of the world. All right, so United. Are we in agreement that we have De Gea in goal? Yeah, yeah, he's been the the guy for the bulk of the decade, hasn't he? Yeah. And his ceiling's pretty high. So. He's been their most consistent player of the decade as well. Yeah. Cause Even he, his bad spells have been in line with everyone else's bad spells. Yeah. Well. And when, you know, the, under the likes of Van Howe and stuff, you can attribute most of any where they got in the table was due to him yeah. a lot of the time. I was reading a United journalist and they were saying that from 1999, they were looking for the guy to replace Schmeichel. They couldn't do it. And then they got... Uh, van der Sar hmm. and then they were able to pull off the transition perfectly from Van der Sar to De Gea there was yeah. no messing about no they nailed that one didn't they so they had that he came from uh, Atletico Madrid they were doubts over him at first well, weren't they because he was yeah. quite slight physically and people said he wasn't going to be was it like handle it? Spurs he had, he had a howler against someone mm. I think it was like last minute where yeah. they bundled it in so he won the Premier League in 2013 following season became the first goalkeeper to be named United's player of the year which is quite mad when you think about Van der Sar and Schmeichel <laughs> yeah but they actually had some good players around them <laughs> yeah. his personal total is now four of that prize since he came into the United team so he's had four of them since 2013 that says a lot about how these seasons have gone um, at the point of about a couple of weeks back he had 376 appearances which placed him 38th on the club list and his new contract goes to 2023. So by the end of it, he probably is going to be top 10 most capped players of all time for United. Yeah. He's done well there. Even if he's ended up staying by default. Yeah. Due to <laughs> dodgy fax machines and other teams getting other goalkeepers in. There's another player who, um, there's some things that I forgot when I was kind of looking back and we have had some scandals through the years with some of these players that make their way onto him. Uh I have I had Valencia at right back. I don't know if there's any op- if you had anyone different. Yeah, to be honest, I've ended up with him by process of elimination. He's not Rafael, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not Rafael or Fabio, is he? Uh, that was the only other real contender when you look back for him as someone who played there regularly for United. It's... Not to put too much pressure on, in his first uh, like announcing press conference. Um, the United uh, director of football at the time said that he was the man to replace Ronaldo. <laughs> so he got started there. He came from Wigan, didn't he? Yeah, well, he had looked a decent attacking yeah. player and then progressively he was like, he's not that great. Well, everyone for the last like, right two months at Wigan just turned into like 70s Brazil, didn't they? For every season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they somehow <laughs> stayed up. Mad. So they say he only played 10 games in United's 2011 title run. And uh, but he then went on to play 30 games in the 2013 success, so he's obviously a key part there. Um, going on to start a right back in the FA Cup, League Cup, and Europa League final victories. So the second he dropped back, he kind of 
really did make it his own. He did adjust the position well as well, didn't he? He was yeah. He did. He didn't ever look after he'd gone there. It, it didn't look like a winger playing at right back. No, no. I'm not saying he was you know the best, but he wasn't. You know, he never stood out as being awful. He's more defensively composed than a lot of actual right backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, he you can probably draw parallels with. He's maybe had a few more shockers, but Ashley Young at left back has he has changed well into the position. People forget what a baller Ashley Young was. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was, you know, Doesn't time ha- at, Le- at Villa and then even early doors at United, he was a, a good player. Well, he didn't help himself by being an utter scumbag to everyone else, bar United fans. So people didn't take much. No. And then his performances in England shit weren't particularly inspiring. Well, I remember what well, it was. Some I think it was under Roy. He ended up. He had had a good spell, so we were like, right, this guy's going to be a key man for us. And we ended up playing him as like the second striker, playing him off the off the front man. And it, it was during that tournament that his legs obviously just went. He just <laughs> watched him. Just he can't run anymore, and that's when he had to become a left back. When you look at the fullbacks we have now, and then you look at the fullbacks that we were putting up with after like of Ashley Cole for a while, where you were like debating between like Bertrand and Gibbs, and Leighton <laughs> Baines. Yeah. So he's, he scored 25 goals for United, which in the time isn't a lot, but he's got some peaches in there. The one I've on forgotten him, about, the one against Everton, which I think we may have had as one of the goals of the season in our opening yeah. year of the podcast, yeah, which yeah, yeah. one of them where it looks better as you go on. I had a half day last week, and you know sometimes where someone's just on the TV, you kind of can't pull yourself away from it, but so Sky in the day... They obviously have just so much footage that sometimes they literally just put on goals, where they just put on Premier League goals. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not from any one season, and it's not like chronologically. So they do just. And I was just kind of sat there, like I don't remember all of these, all of these good goals happening. And there's just banger after banger, after banger, banger. yeah, after yeah, banger. yeah. We should have got that Jabalani ball in after the World Cup, where well, you would have won the league with Suarez <laughs> if you if you'd kept that ball. <laughs> You just had the goal of the season compilation would just be like, right, we've got 30 goals here. Just choose for yourself. The ball's done what it wants. Yeah. Forlan loved it as well, didn't he? Yeah, we could have just had a season of just madness. Just one. Yeah. Just anything goes. Well, obviously the Uruguay team just loved it with Forlan and Suarez. <laughs> that was a team, wasn't it, to be fair? So yeah, got the only real competition for him was Raphael, who was more known for having a twin than actually being a right back. Yeah, they were they were never being a bit quirky, weren't they? Yeah. Thought, well, the fact they had them left back and right back as well. We thought, oh, maybe this will work. No, <laughs> it won't. They were thinking about Phil and Gary and what? <laughs> Can we do this? Right, centre backs. Um, I've got Vidic in there. I thought he was kind of like, nailed on, mm. and then it was more the partner which could be contentious. So with Vidic. He's one of them, and we're going to have plenty of these, I think, throughout the episode, where their best years are certainly past them, but they're still better than everyone. You, well, it doesn't take a lot when you look at some of the centre-backs United have had since Rio and Vidic. This is essentially it, isn't it? You've got those two, and in the period of the decade, you are seeing the, the decline of them, but they're still better than most of the shot that United have had since. And you've, you've got to look at the time of when they've had success in this time, they were there still when yeah, they won the, come since they, they won the title in 2011 where Vidic started 35 times and mm. scored five goals and then he was even kind of on the wane two years later but played 19 times mm. in their next 
League Triumph, and he was captain for both of those, which goes a long way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The question then, I think, is who you have alongside him. And the two main contenders were Rio Ferdinand, who was even less, had even less of his best years left. Yeah. And Johnny Evans, who was another one who kind of looks better and better now when you go on. When you think that Arsenal, and I'm a Socrates fan, mm-hmm. when you look at that same summer, we turned our nose up at signing uh, Soyan Chu and Johnny Evans for a combined 20 million. That doesn't look good, does it? No. <laughs> That's not a good look right now. Not at all. Uh, so I went with Rio. I don't know. I, I felt I had to go with Rio. Again, Johnny Evans kind of fell into the Raphael mould where he was the only ever real contender. And when you look at his time at United, he wasn't, he certainly wasn't what he ended up becoming in terms of now he's a good, solid Premier League defender. He was a really a deputy for United. And, and it didn't play as much as you would need, I think, to get into this team of the decade. Well, if it makes you feel old, um, Rio turned 32 at the start of the decade. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So, a quote from uh, Alex Ferguson was that Ferdinand was the Rolls-Royce to Vidic's monster truck. It's a, yeah, it's a good analogy. They say that like, injury prevented him from playing more than 19 times in the 10-11 title season, but he then started 58 games over the next two campaigns, got a sixth Premier League medal, got in the PFA team of the year in 12-13. Johnny Evans over that over the decade played 133 times for United and scored three goals in the 12-13 title campaign where he did take over. Mm. But then I think United thought, well, we can do better than both of these. And yeah, yeah. From there. It was a little, a little bit, I would compare Ferdinand to the sort of company towards the end with City where he would play, they would put him in for crucial games and others could fill in around him but ultimately you, for a one-off game you knew who the guy was. Yeah. I got Everett left back. Again, similar similar sort of treatment to the, the right back scenario where is the only real standout choice. Uh, He's gone to be a cult figure in that time. <laughs> went from being something similar to a cult uh, to a cult figure. Yeah. Uh, but the fist and a chicken his that was hot I mean he got away with that really I don't think he's really had the stick he deserves for that the um, thing with him the decline was pretty rapid with him as well when it went downhill for him it did go downhill sharply but he had enough in the bank I think to be considered their left back well he went to Juve didn't he mm-hmm. and if there's a good place to go for an Asian defender, it is Serie A. Mm. And if there's a better place to go, it's Juventus. Yeah, that's the old So he started the Champions League final when they got there that year. Yeah, Did yeah. Did end up against Barca, Barca though, yeah. so <laughs> not, yeah. not ideal. Against but. Messi, Suarez and Neymar, not... So he never started fewer than 33 Premier League matches in each of the four campaigns that he played for United this mm. decade. Um, won two Premier League total uh, titles to take him to five. So he he's done a good enough job there. That ain't bad at all, is it? He, I think it was like kind of in his late years where we were writing him off, and he scored that banger against um, Bayern in the Champions League, where yeah. Bayern went straight back up the other end and <laughs> scored straight <laughs> after. Guy we've spoken about before. Do you want to get onto our central midfielders now? Yeah. So Carrick was the first guy I had down. Mm. They've actually had some really bad central midfielders. Oh, know, horrendous! Yeah, they they are also. And I'll get this out there now. I think they've got the worst team of the decade of the four that we're going to do when I was looking through them today. 
Yeah, you might. You might be right. Well, that, can, or it's just my team. That when you take together. into when you take into context what the players were at the time, I'd probably go say like if you had Prime for London Village yeah. and Everett, it's a different matter. But as it is, with we've got them on all three of them are on the decline. It's just that there wasn't anything else you could choose. So, Carrick kind of determined the style of United for the majority of the decade that he was there. Played 28 times in the 10-11 title campaign, 36 times in the 12-13 campaign and played the entire 120 minutes of the 2016 FA Cup final. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> Peaked at Pardew's dance and <laughs> downhill so, from there. <laughs> so, so good. People slating in flowers. Like, come on, he's giving us a moment there. Yeah. I mean, he retired like later than I thought. Like, I feel like he's been retired ages, but I mean... Played in that 2016 FA Cup final, as I said, then played in the Europa League success and uh, then retired in 2017, having got a full sweep of uh, every domestic and European honour that he could get at club level. Mm. Yeah, he's got to be in there. I think for this time period, he's probably the only consistent central midfielder they've got across the decade. I think, I think he is the perfect metaphor for United in this decade. They went from Skulls in the decade before to Carrick in this decade. It's it's good. It's just not so, great. So who do you have with Carrick? Now this is this is a problem. Because I was looking at what other people have and I disagreed hugely. Feasibly this even I don't even like making the choice, but Giggs might well have to be the, the majority guy. I saw had gigs in centre mid. I can't make a justification for scores at this point. He retires early on. I know he came back for the six months saying, style, but yeah, I can't have him. People have him in for that. No, I can't. I can't have him in for that. And other than that, there's in terms of consistent central midfielders. I went with Herrera. He was in my mind. You know what? Fellaini was briefly in my mind in terms Same. of. I mean, you look at it. He really did a job for them. Well, you think they used to constantly bring him on, he'd score, and then they'd moan. They're like, we've had to rely on Fellaini to score. Well, you did still score. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at that. He's come on and won us the game. What a prick. He did it against us three times in stoppage time. <laughs> and it was always, oh, we've been reduced to this style of play. Like, well, he can't help that, can he? He's just doing his job. That Mark, look how young Marcelo looks there. Preafro. Oh, fuck. I was about to say it was Rabinia. <laughs> I thought it was Baptista at first. <laughs> I was trying to pinpoint the era. Of all these players in there, by the way, Lasana Diara is in the middle for Real Madrid <laughs> and gave away one of these goals. I don't know if you know which game this is yet because we're unlikely to get to the end of it. I, f- um, I don't know. Am I- You've got I'm another still- three goals coming and they're all for one side. So. Ah, I see. I see. Yes. Barca 6, Madrid 1. Yes. At the Bernabeu. That's my when you consider some of the players they had here as well. Yeah, so it's Ander Herrera is probably the pick of the post-Fergie transfers when you look at some of the garbage they've had. Could you make a case for Rooney in midfield in this? You could, but well, you think he had a decent amount of time. My he had a decent amount of time in this, didn't he? he I mean, if he had... As a striker, prime Rooney was probably 2008-2010, I would probably say, was his his peak years he probably had like a season in deep midfield and then he was kind of off the striker wasn't he yeah mainly because of lazy strikers he had to play with uh, true that time 
with with Herrera though, he's the only guy who actually impressed all of the Madrid, all of the United managers in that time. So he impressed Moisey, he impressed uh, Van Hal, and he impressed Mourinho. Yeah, and strange. obviously he, he, didn't impress Solskjaer enough, but he wasn't like an automatic starter for all of them either. It's a strange one, wasn't it? Because he, he he did stay, and they all used him and they all liked him, but there were plenty of games where he wouldn't get a start. Odd. He, he won the Samat Busby Player of the Year award in 2017. That was the same year that he was named in the UEFA Europa League squad of the season. So that's an honour there that you want. <laughs> when it won the uh, FA Cup, League Cup, Europa League. Didn't win the Premier League there, but no, still a decent haul. And if you're looking at this midfield, Herrera is the guy who's underrated. It's not Carrick. Yeah, no, he probably has been underrated, hasn't he? He's been slept on. Now he's warming the bench at PSG for a <laughs> nice fee. <laughs> yeah, well, my thinking with with Giggs was that he, I think he played till 2014, so he's got what, nearly half a decade. He was, he did adapt well to going into a central midfield role, and they did have success with him there, and he did play a large amount of games. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with Giggs. It, it was only really his last season where. You thought, yeah, you're a squad player at this point. You're really not. You're picking up games, but not. How irritating was it on match day every year? Is it Giggs has now maintained this record of scoring in every Premier League season that he's been a part of? I seem to remember he got like a last minute one against West Ham or something. I remember he scored one against Fulham in one Hodgson days. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I had a four four two. So, yeah. Shall I give you mine and then? Yeah, go on. So. I had Rashford on the left of a midfield four in the United team of the decade, which I know he is a, a striker, but he's kind of been bunged out on the left. And he has. as a striker, he's not getting in uh, this team. So sure, yeah. In terms of pure numbers, which you can argue what you want, 50 goals for United at a quicker rate than Ronaldo did. He's also won three trophies all by the age of 22. Seized his opportunity as soon as he came in, scored against... Uh, FC uh, Midgetland and uh, Arsenal. <laughs> Call whichever one of them you want a big team. <laughs> had a derby winner at the Etihad that season. Had a banger, obviously, this weekend. Some pointed out that he has a better uh, stat line in the big games than uh, than Salah, but I won't uh, pull you up on that. Just let TK uh, let the cat out of here, and I'm sure he'll want to come back in in a couple of minutes so it could be a, could hear some howling but no Rashford goes in there and then alongside uh, Rashford so I had on the right hand side of my midfield and you'll remember when we did a uh, United side before Nani makes my team of the decade <sighs> and I was speaking to Connor about this earlier and he didn't disagree with me the the biggest crime that Nani ever committed at United was that he wasn't Ronaldo. Yeah, true. When you look at what he did, he couldn't really have done much more than he did. And it depends, I know, there's players I'd prefer, but trying to fit them all into one side was my issue. Because I, I, I could quite happily have put Rooney and two of the strikers up top, which I'm sure we'll get onto, but I went for Nani, a key part of the title win in uh, 2011, where he um, scored nine goals and assisted 19 more. That's not bad, is it? That's no. not bad at all. Featured all throughout the Champions League campaign where they reached a the final. 
when they battered. This was what I was trying to find for us to watch uh, while doing this today. Yeah. Um, and he got players player of the year. So won two league titles, one league cup, one community shield, which he scored in the last minute right when City was starting to become City. Mm. So he, he, had a, he had a good enough career, but it kind of petered out towards the end where he was one where when your pace goes in the Premier League and he still wasn't slow, but his main selling point was how fast he was and you reached a point where people weren't going to put up with him doing eight step over in front of them anymore without just kicking his legs out. So he became ineffective in the end, went on loan to sport in Lisbon, I think, before he was released. But he makes my team in a decade. Yeah, it's not bad. He's got a better case than I thought he did, actually, to be fair to him. If you're going to go with four four two as well, he's one that fits the bill. I think he's one where, like Ashley Young, it doesn't help that he was an asshole as well. So <laughs> you're not jumping to put him in your no, team. No, no, you're not in a rush. A rush to. So did you have anyone else in midfield or do you have... Like was it, do you have like a four two three one? Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, kind of had to cope with Carrick and Giggsy in there, and then Rooney kind of a little bit ahead of them. So that's just to sort of justify my front three, really. One of which I thought probably would be Rashford. One of which which I had in that front three in terms of he has been good for the last was it three is it three seasons now he's been yeah. a start already, and he has predominantly been shipped out to the left, but he has been it's. Shows you how quick things turn around, by the way. The I saw a thing of his stats are more favourable this season than Sterling, Mane, Salah, etc. And uh, I just put that down to look, Twitter accounts being Twitter accounts. <laughs> and then I've seen a, a Sky Sports discussion of is he a future Ballon d'Or winner? Like, For fuck's sake, we've done it again. <laughs> we've done it again. Oh, classy. We've gone from comparing him to Mbappe to saying actually no, he's awful to okay, back he's back in the Ballon d'Or stakes again. For fuck's sake. It's hilarious now that United put a uh, Ballon d'Or clause in <laughs> Martin Martial's contract on transfer. So good. So, yeah, good luck waiting for that one. <laughs> so who who makes up the rest of your team then? So, across the front line, I I think Van Persie's got to get in there. Uh, yeah, he makes mine. Time in there. I think he was the top striker in the league at the time mm. in terms of goal scorer. He was the mate. He was the difference that kind of won them the league, wasn't he? Um, and then I had a battle for the other place. A Chikorito making. He didn't make. He didn't make my side. Only in the terms of I think people do forget he was a good striker with Rooney behind him as well. There was a good partnership that because he's since come on and shut out of West Ham. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> does those. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's what the mistake ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, another one would be Lukaku. I I think you can make a genuine case for Lukaku being in there in terms of for all he got slated. I'll be honest, I didn't even consider Lukaku. And he, for all he got slated, and I think it was predominantly from United fans again who didn't like him because of the style play he created for them. He did score plenty of goals for him, and it's a, there hasn't been a lot of players who have done that for United in this decade. How did West Ham ever think a back line with? Zabaleta and Evra as your fullbacks was it ever going to work <laughs> <laughs> they've been watching videos of them in their prime and thought we've got steals here yeah, yeah when I play football manager I like bring them in as coaches they're like we'll, we'll get the twilight years they've got another season <laughs> in them here so the rest of my team so I had then just the two up top and I went for Rooney and Van Persie it's a fair uh, Rooney fair I choice. think 
alongside De Gea is the biggest shoe in. Oh, it has to be it, doesn't it? Yeah. In the team, the only United player to score in a Champions League final this decade, 122 club goals since 2010. It's not bad. So, so one of the things was, it's overlooked now that he had a couple of moments with United where he didn't endear himself to the fans quite so much. There was that mental press conference in what, like 2013, where Ferguson literally came out and like aired all of his dirty laundry saying, yeah, like, he's asked to leave. Yeah, he wants to leave, he wants more money and all this. And then he ended up signing a new deal. And then it happened again two years later where it was deemed like a, a certainty that he was going to Chelsea. Yeah, who I believe strange, was that yeah. Jose's second reign, or was that? You might be right, but I think yeah. So that would have been killer as well. Imagine him and Drogba in the same. Uh, oh Jesus! Even an Asian Drogba, Rooney would have got some play out of him as well. Fuck me! Is that one day Ramos as manager? Yeah. No wonder Madrid got dicked. Says led them to their two most recent title wins. Uh, then moved back into midfield, as we said, with Van Hal. Um, 2016 FA Cup FA Cup semi against Everton he dictated the play from centre mid and then in this uh, decade as well 2017 was when he uh, broke Bobby Charlton's record for um, the record goal scorer and he brought that record with um, the free kick against Stoke which kind of summed up what he was like as a player yeah 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 with Van Persie we're essentially saying that he's gained an entry off one good season Really, yeah. But what a season <laughs> it was, kind of thing. It was the last time they won the league, wasn't it? So yeah, meant Ferguson could sign off with his thirteenth uh, title. Didn't take any time to kind of acclimatize. Scored a hat trick in his second game. I think he scored like five hat tricks that season. Scored the winner, the goal that got replayed, the volley uh, against Villa, where Rooney's pinged it from the halfway yeah. line. And he's yeah, caught yeah, it yeah. over his shoulder. Um. He scored 26 goals in and played in all 38 Premier League games during that season. And uh, he then completed two more seasons and finished with 58 goals in 105 matches total. That isn't bad at all, is it? No, the one, like I said, I didn't even consider Lukaku was... I I was thinking, I wanted to cram Berbatov in there in my head, but I just couldn't quite do it with the way that I was setting up. No, no, I was, I was similar. I did think about sticking Berbatov in there, but couldn't really make the case over some of the rest of them. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy enough with um, gigged in the middle. I'm happy enough with, with yours, to be fair. Nanny's just one where I thought, if I don't sing his praises here, nobody's it's going a, to. No, it's a, it's a valid point, actually. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves because, as you said, by partly by his own fault, I think he gets compared to, he got compared to Ronaldo earlier. I think yeah. he quite, was quite happy to be yeah. compared to him. Uh, and it ended up being an unfavourable comparison, obviously, and because he's a bit of a shithouse. Like you said, people aren't in a rush yeah. to give you credit. Should we get on to Chelsea then? Cause Let's go on to Chelsea. Well, we'll miss the old Arsenal game. So, goalkeeper Petr Cech. The debate is whether you have him or Courtois in there. The stats favour Cech, who had uh, 55 clean sheets and 142 Premier League games this decade. For Chelsea, that is. Um... He won the Premier League and FA Cup double in 2009-10. Whether you count that or not is up for debate. Um, FA Cup again in 2012. 
Europa League the following year and the Champions League in 2012 as well. So he had a good enough time and then left all of his good years at Chelsea. <laughs> because there's some people who have checkers, their uh, goalkeeper in their team of the decade for Arsenal, which I can assure you uh, he won't be in mine. Yeah, I'm, maybe they need to get themselves get checked the, out. How did he get the Golden Glove in his first year at Arsenal, by the way? Did he? <laughs> No clue how. It certainly wasn't because of him. <laughs> that does seem incredible. Yeah, yeah. there's not many more f- shocking things you could have told me today. No. I actually think the Chelsea team is the hardest and where there's the most debate. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So Yeah, the, the Liverpool one really isn't too hard. To <laughs> who do you have at right back? I'll agree with you on check for the goalie as well. Yeah. But I think he gets the nod over Courtois. Right, I wanted to get Ivanovic in because I remember how good he was. He's my right back. But that drop-off was, I mean, there's falling off a cliff (laughs) and then there is, I don't know, like scraping down the cliff face first. I basically, I think Azpilicueta has to come in here and it's just a case of whether I could try and force him in at right back or left back. And I think... My left back did enough to get in, so I'm going to have to put Aspilicueta in at right back. The the case I've got on Ivanovic is ever since he scored the two goals against Liverpool at Anfield in 2009 Champions League, cemented yes. his place from there on. He was what Wan Bissaka gets praised for now, in that he's a defender that defends. Anything else is a bonus. He, he did end up being quite decent going forward as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was made himself scoring the rather than like he wasn't going to get you Trent Robertson no, no, no. like. No, I know the fullback role has changed. Um, he scored the winner in the Europa League final. He was a guy who I think one on one defending there was few better in terms of any fullback we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that applies to Azpilicueta as well, which is why Chelsea have had maybe like this success in that time. Yeah, yeah, the two goals against Liverpool. Jose Mourinho called him a competitive animal with a big heart. That's how he described him. It'll always be a Blowing. <laughs> It'll always be a... In my mind, for that interview with Jess Shrees, where he's told him, <laughs> you're suspended for the final, you're not going to make it. And then reaffirmed it. <laughs> Just like, in case there was any doubt. <laughs> Who are your centre-backs, see if we uh, match up here? I think Terry and Cahill have yeah. fairly common-sense decisions. So Terry, uh, not Terry, Cahill, in the first five months of 2012, went from battling relegation to the championship with rock bottom Bolton. Bolton Wanderers, yeah to then holding Bayern Munich at bay on one good leg in the Champions League final. And then by the time Chelsea claimed their fourth Prem in 2015, he'd collected every major domestic and European club trophy faster than anyone else in history. Sheesh. It was a good move then. If I can find out. We were linked with him for ages and then went for Squilacci. I even, I remember he was, because before Bolton, I think I might say he was at Villa, wasn't he? I don't know. We were linked I'm with him in sure. the teletext days. Pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure he was at Villa and was being talked up. A move didn't materialise. Bolton, who weren't quite as shit as Bolton ended up being, ended up snatching him. And then, obviously, it became, once he started playing regularly there and playing well, 
big clubs, obviously, for circulating. Him and Hangeland were Arsenal's perennial sort of centre-back links, weren't they? So we were linked with um, Gary Cale, and like happens with Arsenal, we didn't get him. And then uh, he scored against us in a 1-0 win for Bolton around Christmas. Because I remember being at my grandma's and following it on teletext. And if you remember, <laughs> there was the slightly like, upgrade to like digital teletext before we kind of went past it in total. I remember seeing it flash up on there and my uncle saying how we were linked with him and going on from there. Terry then, at the age of 34, he played every minute in Chelsea's uh, 2014-15 run, which he'd been written off far before that. Say he played, no other outfield player had managed a championship winning season, playing more minutes since Gary Pallister for United in 92-93. And I mean, his longevity probably does cement him as being the best British defender that we've had in the Premier League. Whether you prefer Rio, when you look at the singular accomplishments of what one person has done. Yeah, like you said, longevity, especially kind of year on year, you kind of thought, well, maybe this will be his last one. And he kept sort of digging himself back out. Hopefully no one hears the hoovering on here. Mum's decided to do it while we're uh, recording important business. She said Troy's not here and said, fuck yeah. it, I'll hear it if I want. <laughs> so, it does, it, maybe it's kind of a black mark against him that the two most memorable cup triumphs in the Champions League and Europa League, he was on the sidelines for because that was where the meme started. He did make it about himself yeah. though. Hunter life for right. Madrid here. This is a proper classic. <laughs> the names. And it was only when... Uh, Conte came in that he straight away said, nah, son, you're not in my team. And uh, he only played six times in the title winning season then. Savagery from but Conte. He certainly makes the team in, alongside Kale, as we said. Yeah, I, I think they're two of the uh, easier positions to pick for Charles, I think. The other debatable one is David Luiz, but Kale has done more in that time. Yeah, I think Luiz had the one season, didn't he? Was, it, was that under Conte? Yeah, he was a killer. Where he got brought back, didn't he? Because they, yeah. they sold him for a load of money to PSG. He was, was he brought back under Jose? Or that was, that was Matic, unless they were both brought back. I don't know. But yeah, Louise, you thought, look, you just got a yeah. load of money for him. What are you doing bringing him back? And then that first season back, he was, oh my God, he, he's learned how to defend. He's yeah. top draw. So the thing for me was I had Azpilicueta at left back. And it's easy to forget that he did start as a left back. Hmm. So he's the ultimate utility player, isn't he? Yeah. He will fill in anywhere. So he played left back in the 14-15 title winning team and then Mourinho moved him across to the right because essentially he said Hazard didn't track back enough so he needed someone that was solid enough to be behind him to be able to do the work there. Um, he was so good that he essentially ended Ashley Cole's career at yeah. Stamford Bridge and he's one who, when it went bad, it did go bad. When you look back now and you see that Chelsea paid only seven million from from Marseille, then but, you maybe wonder why nobody else was in for him at the time. He then started seventy four consecutive matches in the Premier League across right back, left back, and centre back. Became captain of the side, and then Mourinho came out with a quote, didn't he, saying that um, a team of eleven as Pilaquetas could win the Champions League. That's a bold claim, isn't it? Wouldn't wouldn't score a lot, but. No, that for the reasons you've illustrated is why I had him at my right back. Um, I thought, as you said about Ivanovic, he's a great 
two-way fullback. For right back, his more natural position, and I think Ashley Cole still did enough to get in at left back for me. Edges it a little bit over Forsen Ivanovic in at right back for me yeah. personally. Played till two thousand and fourteen. Even in two thousand and fourteen season, he got seventeen games. It wasn't like he wasn't playing at all. So I still have him in. I will say the format of us having to agree is slightly lost when there is only two of us, so it's not quite the same here. It's, yeah, it's. If you've got a group of people, you can get a unanimous thing. It's yeah. more more of an achievement than <laughs> yeah. two people agreeing on something. Oh, Bellerin's injured during the warm-up. What a shock. <laughs> Maitland-Niles coming in. Anyway, so central midfield then. So I've got like a 4-3-1-2 is what I went for. Very flash. So, I mean, the fact there's only two of us, we can just kind of give our own uh, one. So... I had Fabregas in my midfield. I've been, I've made no secret of I am a Fabregas fanboy, fanboy on here. Yep. Favorite ever Arsenal player. Mourinho said another Mourinho quote: "Sassy is a great player that gives a new dimension to the team when they signed him." So Diego Costa was supposed to be like the changing guy, while filling the gap there, and then it was actually Sesk that, well, the the bridge between them was mm. what made it special. Yeah, yeah. But he kind of made. The difference there. I mean, he came straight in, 18 assists in 34 Premier League games. That is mad. As I say, particularly lethal partnership. It was like a quarterback and wide receiver with uh, Costa. Yeah. Which I think they, I think they must have had like Burnley in their first game, where like two minutes in, you're like, Jesus, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> two seasons later, then he was again the creative hub for uh, Conte's Chelsea. Uh, 12 assists that year. Um, despite starting just 13 matches, came off the bench 16 times. Um, yes, Conte didn't love him, did he? No. Hazard said that season, I've had the chance to play with Cesc Fabregas and I can say that he has the best game vision in the world. He said he does not run fast, technically does not make gestures, but he has that thing and he's had it since he was born. If I had his vision in my game, I'd be on a much higher level. Oh boy. It's pretty true. One of them where you can't really, he just kind of has it. Yeah, it's strange what happened with Fabregas towards the end of his career, really, because he wasn't that old when he ended up going to, back to Monaco or whatever, was it, to chill out? And so I thought we probably still had a bit to offer for a team, but because, like you said, he didn't, never relied on legs or anything. It was just his ability no. on the ball. But yeah, he had, he had to be in my team for for that one season alone, really. Yeah. is. is gets himself into it. It was a freakishly good season. Um, I didn't see it. I've got a couple of others here that I think had to go in, but outside of them, I didn't see anyone knock on the door. I thought Sesk had to be taken out. Yeah, I've got Kante. Have you got him in yours? Got Kante, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he's he's got to be. Went straight in, won the two Premier Leagues back-to-back. First, Premier, first players to do that for two different teams since Cantona in 92-93. There isn't too much you can say about Kante that hasn't already been said and continues to be said week in, week out. So we're kind of beating a huge drum if we do that again. Lampard makes it into mine. And I mean, as a Lampard fanboy, I originally didn't have him in my team until I looked back. And although he's another one where the 2000s rather than the 2010s are his best years. So he has more of a collection of moments in the 2010s than he has yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. periods but yeah his most prolific goal scoring campaign in the 9-10 season so we can just about call that Squeeze the decade uh, 
maybe if we just include his goals in 2010 rather than the start of the season. He scored 22 goals in 36 appearances that year. And uh, he then gets in for me like Hedematic, Ramirez. Yeah. Those other names. He captained the Munich side. He played in the Amsterdam final. Um, and in that time, he also got the two goals away at Villa, which broke Bobby Tamblin's record of 202 goals for the club. So he's done quite a lot this decade, despite not having his best years. Yeah, and he's, he stretched enough into it, didn't he? Did he, did he stay at Chelsea to 2014, was it? Yeah, so, and he went to City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he even did it right there in his little spot. Scored against Chelsea, didn't so, he? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, he makes my one, I think, as much as, again, you're seeing a declining player there. You've, he's still got more than enough achievements in that. I I will say an honourable mention for Matic, only because he's ended up becoming someone who can't run at United and is generally regarded as pretty shite now. In that first season, Chelsea, he was the best holding midfielder, maybe in Europe, certainly in the league, where he was literally just sit in front, break everything up onto Youssef. Well, that's what's unfortunate for him is that Kante's come in and done his job better, so you and don't really think about And he can do all him. sorts of other <laughs> yeah. things as well, yeah. But in that in that spell, he was the perfect sort of foil if you just wanted someone to sit there. I like that when Lampard came in, they tried digging out Sari to him, saying, I assume you're not going to be like uh, Sari and play Kante quite so far forward. And he was like, oh, yeah, I think he had it spot on. Like He's too good of a player to have him sitting back there, not influencing the game at all. Yeah, yeah. And he obviously shows that. I mean, he's, he seems to pop up against City every time he plays him now. <laughs> and the media have had no problem with him yeah. for this year. Strange. <laughs> so I had Matter in front of that midfield three. And he's another mm. one where he only had two full seasons at Chelsea before Mourinho returned in 2013. Remember, he just hated him when he came back. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he loved Oscar, who should have had Oscar out of his team just for the way he acts around his siblings. <laughs> but... In those two seasons, he was voted Chelsea's Player of the Year in 2011-12 and 12-13. 18 goals and 25 assists in 69 games. And he was one of them box office players, wasn't he, where he was the kind of guy you could tune in to watch. Yeah, I think you're right with him as well. I think he's, I guess, similar to Matic, where he's ended up United and probably doesn't get the love he deserves now. At Chelsea, he was the main guy. I think we've used it before where we said, when Hazard gets praised, like, well, hang on, you had two seasons here where Mata was the main guy, the main creative influence in yeah. this team. Hazard doesn't get in my team. And oh, okay. That's another thing. Interesting. I'm sure you remember the game where United won at Anfield, Mata scored the winner. Yes. I was reading something earlier when I was looking at other people, see if I'd missed anyone in teams of the decade. They were claiming that United fans were calling Anfield Wanfield because of his dominating display <laughs> in which he took over the whole Liverpool team and bossed the game. I don't remember. It was more of a smash and grab in my yeah, memory yeah, than, that it, was, than like that. That but, was my memory of yeah. it as well. When they said United fans, maybe two people said it, then <laughs> you can say plural. So yeah, I, I have matter there. He also got the assist for um, the Europa League final goal and he got the assist for um, Drogba's headed equaliser in the Champions League final. Okay. So he did a lot with mm. uh, a little. Mm. I then had the, my reason for not having Hazard in there was because I favoured Matter in the 10 role and I wanted Drogba and Costa up front because what a vile strike force that would have been to oh, play Jesus. against 
Trogba, he's another one where better years were previously, but 29 goals in the 9-10 season. He then had uh, six goals in eight Champions League games in 11-12. Goals in the 2012 Champions League final. Obviously, the Champions League is by far the biggest thing Chelsea had done in the 2010s. So. Yeah. He did, yeah, he did kind of drag them to that as well, didn't he? So Costa, I don't think you need to say too much. I think watching him, but two Premier Leagues, one League Cup and 52 goals in 89 league games is not a bad return before Conte again just aided him. I did also get myself into a position where obviously we've gone with a 4-3-3. In theory, in that case, you would only be able to have Costa or Rogba yeah. if that was the case. So I'd have Hazard on the left because I think he probably does have to make it four. We said about him before. He was their best player for a fair few years and for a good part of that decade was the main guy for him. Um, Drogba's got the more achievements than Costa, but I think in terms of if you were looking at the player you got there, prime, you had prime Costa. Yeah. He was unbelievable. He was a beast. And Drogba was a declining Drogba, whatever you know, might be said. Probably shows how good he was, but it was a declining Drogba in the 2010s. Uh, so if I had to choose one, I might choose Costa out of two. I feel obliged to pick Drogba. I might go with him. But I would probably take the coward's way out and shoehorn Costa out to the right and put Drogba in the middle yeah. because otherwise my option on the right might be Willian. <laughs> I saw him in a it couple. might be Willian. Because consistently he has been a feature in these Chelsea teams for... When did he arrive? Was it 2015? Yeah, I think it was like so end of 2014, 2015 season. And he is... A good player, and he's had his moments as well. For all some Chelsea fans do give him some criticism, so he might well end up having to be my feature if I ended up having to choose between uh, Costa and Drogba. Yeah, it's a good thing Jack's not on because I, I already spoke to you about what we we're going to do. I sent Jack and Troy a personalized voice note, literally breaking down how we were going to do this episode. Yeah. I then said to him, Look, why don't you send me your team? And then if we have time, then I'll bring it in as you're not going to be on. Mm. He then I sent him mine and he said, I don't know how you don't have Carvalho in there. <laughs> and he also said that you have to have Matter in there. He was like, people forget how good he was. That is true. People do forget how good he was. And then when I reminded him, look, it's that team of the decade. And he then said that he would take, he was, he agreed with my team completely, but would take Matter out and put Hazard in there. So <laughs> probably a good thing he wasn't on today. Should we get on to Liverpool then? Making Jack take Chelsea players out would be the, the mission. Yeah. Like, I can't take him out. We'll just have a team of 15. He'll have an A and B team. <laughs> if we do this, we got the Arsenal game just started, so we may be a bit less on here. I think the Liverpool one should be fairly straight. Well, we'll see if we're in agreement. Through. I've got a 4-2-3-1 for Liverpool. Do you want to give me your back line and I'll see if we're in agreement? Yeah, so I'll tell you what with all these teams as well. You see how certain teams have regressed yeah. and how certain teams <laughs> have had nothing and then got better. Because there's teams where you think, I've just had to go all in on the start of the decade and I've had to go all in on the end of the decade. And Liverpool obviously firmly fall into the latter category. Yeah. Uh, so Alisson, I think, already has to be the keeper yeah. for the period, I think. Um <laughs> Rainer's best years were behind him by the start of the 2010s. Um, I think he left around that time anyway. And obviously we had keepers in between there like Mingay and Carriers who couldn't be at. Um, the back line, I think Trent already makes it as well. Yeah, I agreed. don't think another right back does. Uh, Robertson already makes it a left back. Uh, Van Dijk, centre back. 
And then the other centre-back, I think, is the only one where it's up for contention. I think there's a few contenders. I think Matip already might have a shout. I think Skirtle's in with a shout, only because he was decent enough. I'll still have Carragher in there. Yeah, I, I had Carragher as well. I, I know he's sort of the tail end of his career, but when he was still... When did my man Dan Agger leave? He left, I believe, 2013, 2014, maybe. I feel bad not having him in. I feel bad not having him in as well, but... I'll have a Dane as well. He was very, very good, but couldn't stay fit, could he? So, no. I think Carragher was still consistent enough. And since his last season, really, you still had a good, very, very good Premier League defender there. So, yeah. I'll go for him. Something on each of them. With Alisson, I saw a journalist say that it's testament that with Alisson, Liverpool have managed to turn a point of weakness into actually a point of strength rather than just kind of plugging a gap. Filling the hole, yeah. Um, yeah. With Trent nominated for the Ballon d'Or at his age, um, PFA term of the year he's been in, um, and he holds the record for the most assists from a defender in a Premier League season with 12. That's not bad. Which is like Ertzall numbers. Yeah, that is crazy from right back. Van Dijk, the biggest testament to him now is that uh, nobody talks about his price tag, not even like a positive or negative way because you can be like, Pepe could score five tonight and they'll say he still costs 72. Whereas it just kind of gets pushed. Nobody wants to have that talk now with Van Dijk because nobody wants their old tweets or what they said brought up The funny thing with that is, if you remember on the pod, we had a discussion as to whether... Liverpool had overpaid, etc. I think Connor was on the thing at the time as well. Christ. And we'd had discussions of, like, oh, there's a lot of money. And not to say I was sort of missed it, Meg, on this, because obviously I didn't <laughs> see it going as well as I did. But I think I did say on the pod that it's one of those moves where if it does work out, you might feel a bit stupid for having the discussion. And I think that probably has been pretty emphatically true. Yeah, one thing on uh, Robertson. So I got a quote from him, which I don't know if you've heard it before. I've, I've not heard it before. And he was asked if anything's annoyed him in his time since he's been in the Premier League. And uh, he said, uh, not many things bug me, but if there's one thing that does, it's the idea that my story is a football fairy tale. He said, I work my bollocks off to get where I am. And by doing that, I've been able to make the most of whatever talent I have. That's, that's not bad. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. He say he was dropped from his boy club, boy club Celtic at the age of 15 for being too small. Um they had Tierney coming through as well, so <laughs> make of that what you will. Um, and he was then playing as an amateur in the third division for Queen's Park while working in the offices of Hampton Park. That's crazy. Before he it? was taken on as a pro and then it went from there. There's old tweets of his getting dug up, bro. It's like, yeah. it like I've got no money for yeah. credit or something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gerard, I assume, is going to be in your midfield despite his best years probably being past him but still makes it yeah yeah, agreed Um, I mean there's an argument that he's the best Liverpool player of all time I think Dalglish said that he was which was quite a it's not a bad uh, pat on the back when he's probably the other one that the other contender (laughs) yeah yeah say and something I said and they said Kenny Dalglish played in an era when Liverpool were a dominant force and blessed with quality in all departments Gerrard never had that luxury that is the big the big thing, isn't it, is that it's kind of his blessing and his curse in a way, yeah. is that... If we mention fairy tales, that last game was not a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I mean, even I felt bad and look, I couldn't stand him. Yeah, Gerard. yeah, yeah. The the other thing with, with this as well, in this time period, he goes from being a dynamic attacking midfielder to in a year where 
we nearly won the league. Um, he he was really really good in the sitting the sitting in role, spraying passes to the quarterback to quote unquote. Yeah. To which that's was, what we were told Xhaka was when we signed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's an incredible sort of transformation for a player who was all about the physicality and getting forward. Is the fact he was able to adapt shows his qualities as well. Who did you have alongside him? So, see if we got the same. I think Hendo gets the nod. I got Fabinho. So I'm in a I'm in a bit of a conundrum where I've got three midfielders. I thought Henderson probably does have to in terms of look. You forget he was actually looking a good player in that year of the Gerard slip. I'd love me a bit. How long he's been sort of going for? I think he's probably starting to get a bit more credit now. And then my other one, I thought is having Fabinho in too early. You've got one now, haven't you? No, I've got Fabinho in there. I think Coutinho gets a role for a, a midfield slot. I honestly don't know how I've, <laughs> I've like forgotten Coutinho. Yeah. And I think he was there for a good few years and was a very good player. So I think I've got to have him in there. Yeah, he, have... he would be, he would even be in my two. I'd literally... One of those, yeah, yeah. I also looking at other people's Liverpool teams. He wasn't. He was in like hardly any. I don't think he was in one that I saw. That's crazy. If so, yeah. So I had I've like Gerald Henderson a little bit further back and Coutinho just a bit ahead of them. Was my was my thinking. Well, I'll get this out there now. Um, it's two hundred ninety eight days since uh, Felipe Anderson last scored a Premier League goal. So that's insane. You know what's happening tonight? Yeah. See, I went, I went Fabinho first for what great midfield pairing that would be. Mm. his performance in the second leg against Barca is one of the best single performances I've ever seen. Yeah, he was he was very good, wasn't he? And that was when he, I mean, he'd had a rough season, hadn't he, where being in and out of the team. Was he on a yellow that game as well? He's been on a yellow early doors, I yeah. think. Yeah, insane, really. So, if we get out there, I did forget Coutinho, but we've gone again. There had to be a player like that, didn't there? There had to be one in there. Yeah. I mean, it probably four teams testament to your front three now that you can forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got Mike Dean refing as well. Christ. Do you know since since Arsenal last won a game, every other team in the Premier League has won a game, and Leicester have won eight. <laughs> oh God, that's bad. Yeah. So I've got. I mean, do we are we do we have four players left each? Uh no, I'd have three in that case because I've right. got three. I've named my three midfielders. All right, well I've got Salah, Firmino, Mane, Suarez. It's not bad, is it? No. It's not bad. Christ, if you had Coutinho in there, it's yeah. <laughs> go back to the Brendan days. Don't worry about conceding. <laughs> We're just bomb forward, lads. Yeah, so then my front three would be um, Salah, Mane, either side of Suarez. It's Firmino, unfortunately, even straight choice between him and Suarez. I've I was going to ask you what Suarez uh, was at the time. I was going to ask you about the reaction because I don't really remember there being one either way. When Liverpool put 29 million on Firmino, who didn't have a great goal scoring record, no. was coming from the German league. Um, I mean, you signed him and Rodgers had his doubts. He he wanted Benteke to be the focal point of the attack and he was showing Firmino out wide. Yeah, I, f- I think there was a. I don't think there was so much necessarily about the fee, although. You maybe wonder why, because twenty nine million was a decent sum then. Um, I do remember sort of feeling that well, what is this guy? Because so, like he's not really a winger. It certainly wasn't an out and out forward. But then 
we weren't playing him like attacking midfield or anything. So you, you did wonder what he what he was, and even under Klopp in the early days, I remember thinking Sturridge wasn't completely shot at this point. I was thinking I'd rather have him up front than rather what's Klopp doing shoving him. And it turns out Klopp's got an yeah. idea what he's doing. Particularly when you remember that um, noses were turned up at Liverpool spending thirty four million on Mane a year later. I, I I've confessed before. I've said. Looks a decent signing, but once again, we've spent far too much money on him. Wouldn't go over 20 million or something. Yeah, stupid. Klopp's a- and, and Wijnaldum. I did the same thing with him. So what are we doing spending 20 million on Wijnaldum? Klopp said the biggest mistake of his career was turning down signing Mane at Dortmund. He said he had the chance and he said, no, we don't. Oh, wow. You know, Royce, in fairness. Yeah, it's <laughs> not bad. paper mache legs. He's another one for that. Do we have anything else to say on these? Because, I mean the rate of what these guys do kind of talks for themselves. Um, I don't know if anyone really did ever call Salah a one-season wonder. I don't know if it's like the Kane thing where people's own fans kind of said it because, I mean, people still say it now whenever he scores. It's like, Jesus, come on. Kane. Um, Well, either one. Yeah, 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 definitely. I I think it was one of those, uh, with both him and Kane, I think, actually, they the following season, they started... Not even more badly, the question just, asked at the start of the season, is, is it yeah, going to be? <laughs> the question was asked and then they start, not exactly badly, but not as on fire as they were the previous season. People start questioning question it a lot more. Pepe is on job here. And then once they do come good, obviously, like you said, your own fans then start saying, oh, you said he was a one-season wonder yeah. then, when in reality there's only a small number of people who were probably saying that. 82 goals in 133 games for Suarez, by the way, at Liverpool. That's very, very good. Yeah. He was not in a team that was thriving a lot of the time either. 13-14, he had uh, 31 goals in 33 games. Equaled the record set by Ronaldo and Alan Shearer over a 38-game campaign. But he also chipped in with 13 assists. That's insane. So I mean, not- he, you think he wasn't even like a... He was obviously an out striker, but wasn't a striker who just played for the goals either. No. If you consider his general players work rate, everything factored in. It says not since uh, in Rush three decades earlier has Liverpool had such a lethal marksman. Gerard said uh, he's the best player by some distance that uh, he's played with. Yeah, I remember seeing that interview when we talked about, you know, Torres, Owen, etc. And he said Suarez is obviously just on a different at, level. At the time when you signed Carroll and Suarez, who were you more excited about? I wasn't excited about Carroll. I can tell you that. <laughs> I've... I, there was not one part of me that was happy about spending. Were you excited about on. Benteke? Uh, I had. I was cautious with Benteke. I, I was a little he bit. He was a killer at Villa. That is something that does get overlooked, wasn't it? it was, he was one of those who was people would say unplayable on his day at Villa, but it's gone badly downhill from. My worry for him was that I never thought the way I saw Brendan wanted us to play. I thought, is Benteke really that guy? I don't really know that he fits in with that. It was my worry. Yeah, I remember. And that turned out to be a big concern. (laughs) I remember Blackson said that um, no defender in the world can live with Andy Carroll on his day. (laughs) He's got a a bit of a point in terms of Carroll is such a handful that most defenders aren't ever going to come up against someone like him, but you he's got such limitations as well. Any Arsenal defender on their day, then <laughs> you have a point. Yeah. We let him score a perfect hat-trick against us. <laughs> you got to crouch score one of them as well. Yeah, I, I dare say, you know. They got Rafa in the studio tonight. Oh, have they? Yeah, they're doing an interview with him. Him and Carragher reliving the Istanbul 
and um, Crouch asked him to ask why he didn't start him in uh, 2007. Yeah. <laughs> All right, finish with Arsenal then. Uh, I'm not sure whether it would be different on this one or not. Who would you have in goal for an Arsenal team of the decade? Now this is there's a couple poison. of players. <laughs> there's a couple of players in this Arsenal one who have benefited hugely from when they just happened to come into the team. And it happened to stretch basically across the decade. <laughs> so it's worked out very well for them from longevity. You point have to think of when they were at Arsenal as well, because the majority have glowed up since leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. So the goalie is actually a tough one. I I've I'd got probably Leno. have to have Chesney. I've got Leno in mind. Really? Only because I've got a scar on my eye because of Chesney. <laughs> He's... If you it's could a strange have... one, isn't he? Because he wasn't all bad for Arsenal. No, no. Well, 12-13, he was one of the best keepers in Europe, like statistically. just And we actually had a decent back for them, which at the time people still called bad when... Like, they didn't know what was to come. Records-wise, it actually was a decent enough back four. He checked one the Golden Gloves, so he must have yeah. an all right defence then as well. What would have been perfect is if <clears throat> we could have had um, Czech at the time of when we had Chesney and if we could have had Chesney at the time of when we had Czech yeah, yeah, and yeah. it would have been perfect <laughs> because we obviously didn't see it but you then just saw the Buffon replacement in, in Chesney yeah I'll admit I didn't see that he went to Roma and had a stormer there and then we sold him for uh, under 6 million I think 4.1 million we let him go for so if there's ever an Arsenal sale we sold our third choice keeper for more yeah than that. exactly so right back uh, had to be Sanya for me. Yeah. Seven years at the club, almost 300 appearances. Um, 2014, when uh, when the FA Cup, um, we already knew at that point he was going to City on a free, which, as unhappy as we were, I don't think anyone really begrudged him it because we weren't going to pay him the money City was. And, I mean, at that point, you kind of still had the Wenger knows when to let players go thing, which, for the most part, has done all right. But, um, there's a picture where uh, he's trying to speak and he doesn't, he can't get his words out. And uh, Wenger kisses him on the top of the head. Uh, that's a little picture on the Wembley pitch. He w- he was the most consistent right back for in the league for a couple of years yeah. as well. There, crossing was unreal, and he had a bullet header as well. Mm. Yeah, centre back. I've got big fucking German Saka uh, <laughs> as. He asked if it could be changed to big friendly German, which meant that he was called that more. Um, and Koscielny. Um Mertesacker, actually, he came in. We got batted 8-2 by United. I don't think I need to tell many people that. Did you? And uh, it basically like, terrified Wenger into that mad deadline day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we signed uh, Andre Santos. <sighs> That's a, not a good signing for the record book. Arteta. Um, Mertesacker I think there was like two more as well yeah yeah I seem to remember that I can't think who they would have been uh, was no. Podolsky then no, and we, we signed him at the same time we signed um, Kozola we uh, got him a free transfer I think Podolsky good business um, and then so he had 104 caps if you remember his last game was the FA Cup final against Chelsea yeah yeah where yeah where everyone I wrote us off Jack went to a festival because he just believed it was a done thing <laughs> didn't watch the game next day saw the result <laughs> couldn't believe it that was what I was going to bring up earlier actually with Mata 
when we played them at Stamford Bridge and the last time we won there, when Van Persie got a hat-trick, Terry slipped Walker. and yeah, and Mata made it uh, a 2-2 with about five minutes left. And I said before, he made the crucial mistake where he got too soon and he tweeted me saying, uh, what's the matter, Byron? Oh, no. And then... Schoolboy. I, I think he might have blocked me after because he didn't want, <laughs> didn't want any smoke back. Because Mertesacker had hardly played that season for the FA Cup. But yeah, he'd been injured like the whole time and then and everyone just was like, everyone got injured before the final. Yeah, like, he's got a turn in circle for Laurie at the best of times, so what's he going to do in this final? And then he turned in a great game. Someone I had on the back of my shirt took over from Fabregas' number as well. He did number four. <laughs> like for like. <laughs> Koscielny's one who I don't think is ever going to get his due props, really. Probably fucked it for himself with the way he left as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his pace for a centre-back and his recovery pace in particular was great, but mm. his reputation didn't really change after everyone had made their mind upon him in the first couple of months. He had a howler. I think he scored no goal against Liverpool. Um, and people said he looked like one of the elves out of uh, The Hobbit because <laughs> of his ears. And uh, But he was Mr. Consistent when he did play. He kind of put his body on the line and he let you know about it afterwards, whinging. But he scored some important goals. He scored in the FA Cup final where we came back against Hull, one of the most important days in recent Arsenal history where it turned things around. Mm. Um, he scored twice on the last day of the season, um, once against Fulham and once against Newcastle to secure top four over Tottenham where we had to win on the last day. Um, he says basically that he left because he needed more time out and Emery shoved him back in playing week in, week out. And he said he was just in so much pain every game that he couldn't take it anymore. So he had to go somewhere that was going to treat him properly. Yeah. Another player whose decline was pretty significant, wasn't it? Yeah. And even still, then he was looked all right last season. When you look at the other defenders, he had a couple of games, the one against Southampton in particular, where Emery got a rude welcome to the Premier League. Yeah. Where the ball put in the air. Mike Dean reffing. Um, left back Nacho Monreal I was struggling for another choice I was thinking am I missing someone the term goat in football is thrown around a lot fuck's sake Monreal actually was nicknamed this as a kid where he was nicknamed uh, La Cabra which translates to goat in Spanish and I think it's just to do with where he comes from but yeah, yeah. some uh, people let that stick with him uh the story I was going to tell, January 2013 when we signed him um, and the story of how he came to us, he uh, he had a nap and he woke up to two missed calls from Santi Cazorla and a text saying, uh, would you like to come to Arsenal? <laughs> and uh, 10 hours later, he'd signed on the dotted line and came to Arsenal. What the hell? He'd said he'd had no contact before that. He said, the, the club kind of spoke to Santi, Santi put in a good word and they said, oh, I mean... <laughs> Struggling for left backs, so it is. Maybe this is the guy. Yeah, yeah. When and got him. Okay. Every team needs like a natural Monreal, a guy you can put across between left back, centre back, left wing, left wing back. Um, Consistent. Yeah. He uh, six and a half seasons scored the goal against Man City in the FA Cup semi at Wembley. It's a great moment. He scored in the FA Cup quarter final against United at Old Trafford, where Welbeck then got the winner. Yeah. So. When he was bad, he was very bad. We had a bit of a love-hate <laughs> relationship, me and him, but I was sad to see him go. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you left Kalasanach behind. <laughs> yeah, I've, 
I've got um pretty much the same. I I wanted to make a case for Vermalen in there only because Troy had Vermalen. Only team. because I think he gets forgotten about how good he actually was when we made him captain he fell off a cliff yeah yeah and then he uh, shat the bed against um, I'm going to say Doncaster or someone of that ill uh, was it Bradford it was someone in the League Cup basically yeah uh, he had a howler and then he missed a penalty to cost us the game if you overlook that Jovino hit the ball backwards from on the line in that game as well. So it wasn't a great yeah, game. He was, <laughs> he was told to draw for, for a bit. Obviously, the injuries caught up with him as well. But yeah. I think that was before the tens decade really started. Yeah, banging shots on him. Yeah. He was kind of like Agger, but he could stay fit for longer, which obviously, as it went on, he couldn't stay no. fit for longer. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think his best years were before the decade, to be honest. Yeah. So, Is he yeah, Danish I'm... as well, Vermaland? Uh, he's Belgian, isn't he? Ah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Um, centre mid then I had Cazorla and Ramsey yeah I couldn't argue with that that was my one Cazorla's one of them he says so he, he was grilled on his first uh, interview since coming to the Premier League where they basically said to him look you're not tall enough for this league and he said being tall isn't what makes you a good footballer and I don't think the defining factor in English football is just being tall no that's what we struggle um, yeah so he then came out and the quote that always gets kind of brought up as he said I like to smile I try to bring happiness I don't understand that you play football without joy join the wrong club I would say <laughs> for that but he he was everything that I think like if Wenger could mould a footballer, footballer yeah, yeah. That, it, it's him agreed he he's he was just like it's not it's not a pen is it no and he's just a fun guy to watch had that one corner where he showed just how like two footed he was. So good, wasn't it? I'm still yeah. on the I'm still none the wiser as to which foot was his better foot anyway. I think right, but I have no idea. He did an interview recently where he said like how sad he was that he never got to have a proper I saw goodbye that, yeah. at the Emirates. Maybe yeah. quite emotional reading that, so I mean he's better than our midfield now, so if he wants to come back Well, I was I was listening to um, Don't have our medical staff, but <laughs> I was listening to a guy talking about him at Villarreal this year and they're saying like Everyone's talking about um, how great he is because of the story of obviously coming back from that injury and being told yeah. he might not walk away. But he said, you'd forget about the context of that. He's just one of the best midfielders in Spain at the minute. He said, look, he's got back in the national team yeah, as a result. He scored as well. He said, it's not like through the, the context of an injury, this is just, this guy is unbelievably good still. Yeah. Then, I mean, because I mean, all I'll, of... I'll say with it, do you ever think. Like, I don't view him, say, as great a player as Fabregas was. No. Yet, I don't necessarily know that it was for the lack of time. I wonder if it was just the timing of being at Arsenal when he was. I think F- Fabregas had a bit of everything. So Fabregas could grab the game by the scruff of the neck and do that. Whereas I don't think Cazorla was that guy. Like, Cazorla had one of his best games against Man City away. We won there. Um also the game where Coquelin came back in and the coquelin Cazola partnership is one of my favourite Arsenal things in the last decade. You couldn't get much more... No, uh, it was beautiful yeah. to watch. And the little like way Cazola would protect... Uh, the way Coquelin would protect Cazola <laughs> was cool as well. He knew what he was there for. Yeah, literally, because he'd get the ball and he'd pass it straight off. He wouldn't even try to yeah. do anything with it because he just knew like that's not my job. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is rare to see in a defensive midfielder. Did, did I see you saying... Was on Twitter the other day that 
look, look if you'd know what you knew now, you'd probably keep Coquelin and yeah. just yeah. let him sit in there and do whatever. Yeah. Also, Coquelin is kind of the rare breed because you, most defensive midfielders don't look like the roughest guy on the pitch these days. When you see them, I was thinking this the other day. I looked at Rodri and I was like, he doesn't look like oh, the no, scariest guy in midfield. No. You look at Fernandinho, you look at Matic, they don't look like no, no, a, like a defensive midfielder in your head. Ramsey, it's tough to try and sum up. Like He's the highest scoring midfielder in Arsenal history. Got, is he? I didn't yeah, realize that. He got uh, two FA Cup winners and uh, three FA Cups in that time. Um, he was the kind of guy who would just go out there and make a difference. He was a guy who could grab the game by the scruff of the neck. Mm, very much so. The thing I think I admire about him the most, if you take away like injuries, like you just said, was he had the tricks and flicks, but he wasn't like Urzel where he does them at stupid times. If he ever did a flick, it was for a good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he scored the back heel against a back heel uh, flick against uh, Spurs, which like he could have done nothing else but that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and his goal collection is one of the best you'll see, maybe apart from Giroud, who was <laughs> a scary <laughs> yeah, one as well. Yeah, yeah. Had Urzel in front of them for all of his critics. I'm yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same. He I'm was. He kind of marked what was supposed to be a new era for Arsenal in 2013 when we signed him. Record fee, 24 years old, best years ahead of him, we were told. And um, first season he came in, I think he had like 18 assists in his first season, which is like the record. Freakish. I saw some guys the other day saying like, De Bruyne still doesn't have as many assists as Ertzel in a season. It's like, come on. It's like Tierney down. That's not the hill to die on that one, is it? The Athletic did say that he had a dodgy shoulder and that's why he's been out of the team. So, Oh, Jesus. This would suggest why uh, he's going to be off again here. In front of the men, so... Sanchez, Aubameyang, Van Persie. Yeah. yeah. None of them are passing if you have them in a team together, but... If for the sake of this, you can put them all in one team. What an attacking unit. Sanchez, if we could have kept Sanchez or Ertzil, then Sanchez would be the one that you would have kept, I think. Oh, it had to be. Ma- Wenger probably wouldn't have out of the two, but he was as box office as it gets for yeah. Arsenal. For sure. He's the guy you give 350 grand a week to. Um, just the like, hunger with him, the way that he kind of had that South American spirit and what you expect. He scored some peaches against United, City, Liverpool, all sorts. He was like a big game player for He was us. your Suarez, really, wasn't he? Yeah. In terms of everything he brought to the team. So, like, he always did his own thing. Wasn't always a great team player, but the results were almost always like spellbinding. Mm. The last season petered off a bit when the contract issues were there, but... It's more he ended up, they just ended up not playing him, didn't you? So yeah. it was he clocked up double either. figures of goals and assists in each of his three seasons before he uh, went to play the piano at United. <laughs> Depressing pod that was when that happened just before. Christ, he's gone off on a stretch here. Poor oh, Tierney. Aubameyang is Aubameyang. He's the closest thing to one read that we've had, which is a big th- praise, I know, but. I was thinking to myself, was like, am I wrong for putting a Bamiang in when you consider he's had what two seasons with Arsenal? But one, you look at the goals, amount of goals he scored in that time, and also if you look at Van Persie, really had one <laughs> big season with Arsenal where he really put it yeah. on, 
other than that, he wasn't at his best, I would say. So Only six players in the history of the club have reached 50 goals quicker than Aubameyang, and five of those were between the 1930s and 1960s. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> he is that guy. Mm. He's actually, to his detriment, that we've been shoving him out on the wing the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, and he comes to me ahead of Giroud, Podolski and Lacazette. Yeah, I did want to make a case for Giroud, but Same. ultimately with that... That I mean, Giroud comes in above Lacazette for me, which I think a lot of Arsenal fans wouldn't say, but really? it's it's, mm. it's fact. I I would, and I like Lacazette as well. Yeah. I'm a fan of his, but yeah, Giroud was really a player for you. To yeah, be fair. I mean, apart from the season Leicester won the league, where we were right there, and then he didn't score between February and April. Yeah, he's. I think he is the line between really good and great. I think <laughs> he's just that that line. Van Persie joined Arsenal at the age of 20, injured for the most part. Um, <laughs> but he had he had that aggression, I think, that makes a good centre-forward. And mm. the difference between him and Aubameyang for me is, and I'll probably get crucified for saying this by some Arsenal fans, if I need one of that two to win me the game, then my money would be on Van Persie over Aubameyang because I'm back in Van Persie to pull something out of his ass more than I'm back in Aubameyang to do it. I might agree with you. Yeah, I think I might agree with you. That that season, what was it, 2013-14, is as good a striker as I've ever seen in the Premier League. Yeah, in his pomp he was, I know it was only obviously a couple of years of probably priming, but he was... Like 88th minute we could be drawing and you would still just assume that he's going to score. And nine times out of ten, he did. I think the sign of a good player as well is when he make other players look ordinary and I think when he ended up going to United I know Rooney was probably maybe beginning the decline but he looked I thought a different level of striker to Rooney he had that banger at Anfield which doesn't really get spoken about in terms of like our our great goals at Anfield which no. must have been like 88th minute where it was it was just the Everton one was better where it was played over the shoulder and he yeah. banged it right yeah. in that was have been Rayner but I mean there was no way he was saving it no. the, I think one of the impressive things with him is as well he ended up becoming uh, sort of an out and out goal squad. But when you look at when he first went to Arsenal, he was often put out to the wing or off the striker as a more of a link up man. And I remember thinking that was what he was going to be doing. And then as he obviously came through, he yeah. ended up being the out and out goal scorer, which I think that was impressive. Yeah. So that's our team's done. I think maybe if uh, we have a full house back in a later episode, then we'll do Spurs, we'll do City, and we'll do our team of the decade, which could be more difficult. When you're trying oh, to get all these difficult. players and more, because... the Spurs one could be a good debate as well. Yeah. Actually, I think they could. I was reminiscing about uh, Tevez um, when I was thinking of like a City team mm. earlier. What baller he was, he really savage. Was. Um, so anyway, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. We'll have our Christmas special next week. Hopefully, we have everyone back there because if we don't, then the episode really will fall <laughs> apart. So. <laughs> I'm not speaking to any audience here. I'm speaking to Troy, Harper, Alex. You have to be here next week. You, To quote Alex, you bloody have to. It's an injury hit squad. They've got to fight through it. If we have to get Alex out of hospital, we'll carry him there. Maybe we take it to the hospital. We'll get thrown out for bad content. <laughs> so anyway, hopefully I come on next week and Arsenal have won a game. Won't hold my breath, but... Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.